Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Confabulation. Today we are back with lots of things that have happened during this past week. We are going to be discussing Chad Wheeler and the Seattle Seahawks, the Tacoma Police Department, and if we have time, social media censorship. So I thought we would start off with Chad Wheeler since we are a domestic violence agency and this is in our very own state of Washington with our Seahawks, um, with our football team. So on Wednesday, Chad Wheeler was charged with first degree domestic violence assault, a domestic violence unlawful imprisonment and resisting, resisting arrest. Um, he was scheduled to be arranged, uh, arraigned on February 9th. Um, so what happened is he has a black girlfriend and I, it said that he went through a manic episode and he wanted his girlfriend to bow down to him. And his girlfriend said no. And because of that, he grabbed her by the neck and he swung her and he basically started to beat her. And um, she called the police and he literally, he asked her, oh, you're still alive. Like while she was calling the police, like and laughed and stuff. So that was very sickening. And um, she left with a broken arm and I believe her leg. And if you look at her before and after pictures, they're very scary. Like it was, it was very detrimental. Um, but the Seahawks did release a statement saying that um, since he's a free agent, they let him go. So the Seahawks said that they are saddened by the details emerging against Chad Wheeler and strongly condone, condone the acts of domestic violence. Our thoughts and supports are with the victim. Chad is a free agent and no longer with the team. And then they listed a domestic violence hotline. And then they said, we encourage Chad to get the help he needs. If you're experiencing mental health issues, please reach out for immediate help, help. And then Chad issued a statement um, apologizing for the events that happened over the weekend. And um, he said that he it uh, that it happened from a manic episode. And he's like, I'm deeply sorry for the pain and suffering that I have caused to Aliyah and her family. I apologize profusely for the turmoil that I caused to my family, teammates, fans, and those closest to me. The most important thing right now is that Aliyah gets the care she needs and I get help. Both are happening. And then he is walking away from football to get the help he needs. And um, he hopes to never pose another threat to anybody else. Yeah, well, I have a problem with the quote unquote manic episode. If it was so manic, why are you asking someone to bow down to you? That's the clue. It wasn't manic. You are your garden variety abuser you 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 know you want to be in control and you had the audacity to ask someone to bow down to you and when that person did not do what you told them to do you did what all abusers do and beat the crap physical abusers anyway and beat the crap out of her and then you 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 cornered her in a bathroom so she couldn't leave where the that's where the unlawful imprison, imprisonment charge comes from the, he didn't have a manic episode he knew exactly what he was doing and 
all this apology and, oh my God, I had a manic episode. I just don't know what happened. You knew exactly what happened. You've done it a million times before, obviously. And this isn't your first time. Um, and so, because abuse doesn't even work like that. You just don't go from zero to a hundred like that. Oh, it just happened one time because I had a manic episode. No, this is all a bunch of BS. So you don't think that a manic episode took place whatsoever? No. I, I think, think he, he, Oh, go ahead, Gabe. Sorry. He probably has, you know, anger management problems, but that's not an excuse for abuse. You know, like we always hear it all the time, you know, especially from our clients, like, oh, you know, my husband's an alcoholic and that's when he hits me or whatever. And that's the cause of, you know, whatever abuse is going on. But, you know, in reality, no, it's not the alcohol that's causing this. It's him, you know, um, you know, alcohol doesn't cause me to go and hit somebody just because I feel like, so you're already an abuser before you're even, you know, drinking alcohol and there's other, you know, deeper issues and deeper problems going on. Um, so, you know, I don't know, you know, what might've been going on in his history, his past, you know, he could have been abused as a kid. Um, you know, his parents could have been abused and that could be, you know, a big reason why, you know, he's, you know, showing this behavior. So that would be kind of interesting to look into his history if that ever were to come out. Um, but regardless, that doesn't justify what, you know, he did to this woman. It was you know, pretty disgusting. And it just, it kind of, you know, this type of thing, because he's a professional athlete, this is when these types of things are exposed when, you know, in reality, you and I as advocates, we see this a lot, but a lot of people, um, you know, they don't, and this happens a lot more, you know, than you might think. Um, and, you know, as an advocate, you know, we're getting calls kind of maybe not to this degree, but in similar ways, you know, fairly often. Um, but because, you know, he is an athlete, you know, a football player for the Seahawks, you know, that's when it's really become public. But in reality, it's happening, you know, pretty much everywhere. Um, fairly often and a lot of people don't even realize that yeah and yeah. it says that he had picked the lock to the bathroom and I don't think that when you're having a manic episode exactly. like can concentrate on picking a lock yeah exactly that's what I'm saying there was too much forethought um, or clear thought for a better a better term is a clear thought of action you don't have that when you have manic episodes. So picking a lock and asking to bow down and you are, you know exactly what you're doing. You just got caught doing it. And, you know, like Gabe said, I don't, I don't know what his historical trauma is. Yeah. Maybe he was abused or he grew up with an abuser and it's, you know, and he learned that behavior. I don't know, but I'm kind of tired. I get, I, I totally understand historical trauma because we talk about it all the time when we go, you know, to seminars and trainings and all this stuff, but I'm, you know, okay. But I'm just really kind of tired of this um, being used instead of a tool to um, help the person with his his or her issues it's used as an excuse mm -hmm. and um and you know if he has i don't like gabe said we don't know what his historical trauma is 
obviously there is historical trauma, which is why he behaves the way he does. But at this point, I'm just like, dude, you're an adult. This isn't the first time you've done that. You know you have issues. And you would have never sought help if this wouldn't have come to light. Exactly. You chose, if you knew you had these issues before and you are a football player, you have all the, all the therapist, all the help in the world that you can afford. Like this isn't like all of the other abusers. Well, no one has an excuse to abuse, like period. But you knew this is something you needed help for. You know that you have these episodes and yet you put yourself in that position to not get help at this point this is all on you. Like there is no excuse. I don't think that you can blame a manic episode if you know that this is how you act in certain incidents or. That sounds like something an attorney told him or a PR person told him to say like, you know, we got to, we got to put out a statement. We got to make it good. Or yeah. Like murderers will use all of like the insanity, um, you know, excuse or whatever. They plead that they're insane. So they don't have to go to prison. They go to like a, mental health facility instead um, when they've done these like terrible things what pisses me off is that abusers can be like I have this and I have this trauma that's why I beat her that's why I act this way but as soon as our clients are like I have I'm bipolar or I have depression or I have this and this and this that's automatically what's used against them and they're like okay well that's why you were abused oh yeah you have that exactly joy we've seen that so many times with uh, our clients and you know, which ones I'm talking about that are where that's really prevalent, you know, it's used against them in court to make them look like they're the ones that, you know, are at fault. Um, And so, yeah. And so this is probably, you know, a, a, a track that if he gets, you know, he's been criminally charged, but if he, you know, whatever he gets charged and convicted on, if that even happens, because you know how, you know, rare that is in these DV cases that where criminal charges are brought, um, you know, if that happens, he'll, he'll try and, he'll try and bring out something about that woman. He will. They'll find his lawyers are going to find fault and talk about how she could have easily bowed down instead of agitating him to that. But I think that even if she had bowed down, he still would have done something. He was looking for a reason to beat her. He knew that this is a woman that's not about to do that. So he was looking for a reason to take those actions and he found it. Yeah. I didn't know his girlfriend was black. I didn't know yeah, that. She, and that's another thing that we have to look at. That's like a cross intersection is that this yeah. is a white man who has all the privilege in the world going up against a black woman who is at the very bottom of the totem pole in society. So, yeah, And you know what I'm thinking of too? If I put myself in that position, you know, peop- that is psychologically for anyone black but particularly a black female to have um a white man tell you to bow down i for any female that because of you know because of um 
patriarchy, which we were kind of discussing earlier, and the way, you know, women are viewed in society a lot of times, but particularly for a Black female, that is psychologically very deviant. Mm -hmm. Um, It could have been, if that were me, it could have been a Black man, a Black male doing that to me, and I'd have been furious you know, and, and that is so demeaning, but for that psychological aspect of it, because of the trauma of historical trauma of slavery and racial prejudice in this country for a white male to ask a black female to do in my head as a black female, if I was sitting there, that, that would have flipped a switch for me. But the thing is, she had she had no chance against him. He's a three hundred and ten pound man. That's like six seven. Yeah. Like there was no chance she held like had against him. There was no fight, and the fact that he asked, "You're still alive?" at the end of it, like that's psychotic. Yeah. No, oh. I. Yeah. I was looking on Twitter, and and like I was seeing some people commenting like on the article. Um, one person brought up that, uh, oh, that's why you never date a white man. And then another person said, oh, black men do this just as much or more. Um, and you know, I was just wondering, I know that black women are, you know, disproportionately, you know, affected with domestic violence. But on the other side, as, you know, abusers go, do you know of like what the statistics are, you know, like black men versus white men or anything like that? Um, I actually read the statistics somewhere. Yeah, we used to, I don't even remember them. We've, we've gone over this before, like last year when we had to do a presentation, I think, and we got those stats, but I don't remember what they are. I mean, you know, uh, of course it's going to be proportionally, it's going to be more white males because there's more white males in this country than there are black males but but we have to look at the you know you have to you have to look at that statistically in proportion so i don't i don't know what that would be i don't even remember what that is but but i mean i don't (laughs) i know that black women are impacted the most but i don't know along race like when it yeah, comes who, to black who, men versus white white men who abuses more. Yeah. Um, that's not I, something that's really talked about a lot, at least in our yeah. field. I feel like it's always on the opposite side of um, the victim or like the survivor, um, but not necessarily the perpetrator. We don't really talk about that a whole lot. No, but I remember we had that statistic one time. It was a long time ago. I don't even remember what it was. Do you but think I, like in, in oh, our work, knowing that information, is that useful to know or is it kind of irrelevant? I think it's useful to know. But one thing I can say that when it does come to like race, when it is interracial, um, white men do abuse black women more. That's what I've seen. Well, that's just what I've seen on my side. Whenever I get a client who's like, I was dating this white guy, I was dating this white, like, and it seems like a lot of black women get abused by white men. Um, but I'm not sure when it comes to both races. Yeah. yeah. Do we think it's an important statistic to know? 
I think so. I would, I, I would I like think, to know. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting statistic to know how how much you know it, how useful it is for us. That I don't I don't know, but it might be because of the population we serve. Because we serve m- mostly black females, it it could be yeah. Um, but I mean. I don't know. It it in it, it just have to be in a certain context where you would use the information. I mean, at the end of the day, an abuser is an abuser, no matter what color they are. Doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, really. Yeah, victims a victim, no matter what color they are. I do know that this year I have had way more uh, black females who um, have. Um, were in relationships with white males. I do know that. Yeah. That that, that I've um, had to help legally. I mean, it it was disproportionate. I had I had more of those than I had black on black couples. And so, or or white females and black males. I only had like one or two of those. But the rest were black females, um, either either married to, um, in longtime relationships with, where they had children by them, or in just not long term, but had a child by a white male that they were dating, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, another thing. Well, um, I'd say this: whenever I dated white men I always felt um less than just like in my mind like I always knew that there was some type of like okay I can't stay in this relationship permanently because I'm not on equal footing and I always felt uncomfortable um but the one time actually a guy has asked me to bow down to him but he wasn't white he was He and I was like, ew, no, because we were on the verge of breaking up. And I was like, do you want like I was like, at this point, let's just end the relationship. And I was like, do you want this relationship at all? And he's like, you're going to have to bow down and ask for forgiveness. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. The male ego is something else. And I I don't know, because I've always like fought with my brothers um, to always like humble them because. I was raised in a patriarchal society whereby my brothers were put on a pedestal. I would clean their rooms and stuff like that. So they thought they were able to like talk to me any certain way. And I made it clear that that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you can't I never, lump us, huh? You can't lump us all in together though. Well, I'm not lumping with- <laughs> everyone in together, but I think that there are some men that need to be brought down a few pegs. Or so. Yeah, I wasn't raised so much in. Um, yeah, I get it about because uh, for you culturally that that was a, a tradition thing. Um, for me, it was more because, of course, you know, we joy. You and I have diff- different diasporas, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm more because I'm African American. Um, and I have that history of slavery here in America throughout my family. Um, 
it was, you know, it's just the normal patriarchal thing. You know, it wasn't, I mean, if I had a brother, my mother would have never said clean his room, but then it comes down. You're very, you're very strong willed joy. And I can see you looking at like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, but as a kid doing it because you were a kid, you were younger or as a teenager but I can't even see you doing that now. Like I can't do it now. But when it was like, when I was younger, I think I did it once. And then my mom would ask me, my mom asked me to do it again. And I told her, no, I was like, they have hands. Like they're always going yeah. somewhere. I'm not allowed to go. I was like, I'm not doing it. They can do it themselves. And their room never got clean after that. But she would always tell me to like clean my room. And yeah. that's one thing that, I have had to teach my mom because my aunt, this is the main reason um, my aunt came from Africa and my brothers, I was like meal prepping my food and my mom literally had cooked dinner and my aunt was living with us at the time. And my brother asked me for some of the food that I had made. Mind you, this isn't like my mom's groceries. It's like, this is groceries I bought. I was cooking. Like, it's not like I was taking from the family or anything. And he's like, oh, I want some of that. And I was like, no, I was like, mom literally made dinner. You guys can eat that, like what's on the stove. And then he like, and then my aunt overheard me saying that and she called my mom and then my mom called me and she's like, how come you're not feeding your brothers? And I was like, did you not leave food on the stove? She's like, yeah, I did. And I was like, are these my groceries? She's like, yeah, they are. And then I was like, okay. And then I hung up the phone and that's one thing. And then my aunt would tell me like things like, you can't talk like that to your brothers. You need to help your mom out because you're a girl. And I was like, I'm not going to help my mom out just because I have a vagina. She birthed three of us, actually no four of us. So they could all help out. And then I was like, don't ever come to me with the fact that I'm a girl. I was like, don't talk to me like that. And she like, she does not like me. Well, I don't like her. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. Like, you're yeah. not going to sit here and condemn me just because of what's in between my legs. Like, no. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, there are, you know, there are threads of that in every culture just because of patriarchy in general. You know, um, your, your culture puts a, a, a heavier burden on you as a female. Um, but I think that's part of the problem on what happened here in this situation. Cause yeah, because I'm the football guy and you're just, and I'm great. And look at me. The thing know. is though, is that he wasn't even, he was a backup. Like you're I not. Well, and I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause Gabe was telling us that. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, yeah. I'm like, you are, you are a non-factor dude. Go away. And I think that's another thing that feeds into his insecurities is like, I'm not that great of a guy. I'm not that great of a football player. I'm simply a backup. I'm not even officially on this team. So I think those insecurities feed into now I have to go over here and show someone that I am great. I am the man. Right. The one thing though, with him being a football player that I'm wondering about is like the effects of like CTE and like concussions, because that's been known to like, cause violent behaviors and aggression like later on in life um so i don't know if that's like something like we were talking about earlier an abuser is an abuser but you know does cte is that playing a role because a lot of football players you know have this problem after they get out of the league 
um, yeah. where they're, you know, getting in trouble or they're really violent or they're punching things or they have, you know, severe depression um, or, you know, abuse, you know, have substance abuse problems when they get out of the NFL. Um, so that's another thing, you know, maybe to look at. Right. Isn't that later on in life? I, I mean, anytime, look at Aaron Hernandez. They said he had, when they did his autopsy, they said he had one of the worst cases of CTE they had ever seen. And, be, and it was so progressive in such a young person. Like how old was he? Like 27, Gabe? When, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, these guys have been playing football since they were 10 years old. You know, they could be getting concussions all throughout their life and like not even know it or they know and they just, you know, there's a culture in football where you just got to tough it out and you keep playing. And just like in the recent years, that's concussions have, you know, that's when people have started like becoming more aware of like the effects of concussions. So yeah, um, it's kind of a recent, you know, thing. Yeah. But those, when those violent episodes um, are interesting because they either just lash out and that is kind of manic, but like with Aaron Hernandez, he planned some stuff out when he, you know, he, he, when that that issue where him and his two friends took his girlfriend's sister's boyfriend out to this place and killed him, right? It's like, it's kind of odd because that doesn't, that's not manic or in the heat of a passionate argument or something it was sort of planned it was planned extremely poorly but it was <laughs> sort of planned you know yeah. so um i think that's why they didn't really they couldn't blame his cte but he did other things that weren't planned that were just spur of the moment other violent things you know um yeah. so because it does so, cause like dysfunctions in your brain where you lose like your ability to like make decisions or you know see things clearly so like I don't know I don't yeah. think it's a, it's not an excuse I don't think I think what he did is still yeah. terrible but it yeah. is an issue with you know football players in general um or just you know people you know getting concussions um and having these effects later in life yeah I I I I I'm not a doctor and I can't diagnose what's going on with this dude here. And you can't find out until they're dead and they do an autopsy too. Mm -hmm. But, but my thing with him, he just looks, I don't know. It just adds up to me like garden variety abuser. There's nothing significant about it. It's just so garden variety, the whole thing, you know, I would interested to know what other women he's dated and what they have to say i would also like to know like what the nfl does like and i think the nfl can have like can take a lot of blame on because they know this information and they try to hide it from the public for so long what do they do for their players what do they do for their players wives girlfriends and stuff like that when this does take place do they have any proceedings um instead of just saying we stand by the side of the um, victim like that doesn't do anything if you guys know that this is something that your football players suffer from like they need to have some type of proceedings that take place 
like when this does happen. I think gonna do that unless absolutely forced to because money's involved that that's not gonna happen that it's it's a corporation it's a it's a business and a lot millions and millions and millions of dollars are involved they're not going to do that and because they're too worried about their bottom line yeah this is a consistent pattern soon legislators or something's going to have to go into effect where at this point i think something does have to be done just because of Aaron Hernandez and this story. And there's multiple other stories that are just like OJ Simpson too. I think he Um, used CTE as his, uh, that was like his excuse for why he did what he did. And then, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, there's just too many professional ball players, whether it's football, basketball, I don't care what it is. Baseball has the highest um, rate of domestic violence. Oh, do they? they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, the turning the blind eye to keep, to keep a team and star players or even not so star players to keep a team intact for monetary gain is, you know, it's deplorable. And I wonder what they would have done if he wasn't um, a backup or if he wasn't a free agent. Like, would they have kept him on? Like, what would they have done? And what, and I feel like the Seahawks Loki need to pay, give her a payout too. Like, well, I, I mean, he he wasn't isolated on the team. I'm sure that there are team members that, you know, he was friends with. And I'm sure she was friends with some of the other team members, girlfriends and wives. You know, it's a little click, mm-hmm. you know. So, it, you know, how many people knew about his behaviors and just never said anything about it exactly. until it blew up to this point? Exactly. I think that the NFL and other football leagues do have to take some blame or even if they have someone who comes in and teaches about domestic violence. And if you do need the help, let's get you the help now before we have articles like this. It takes a lot more money to cover something up than it is to address it before it happens. Yeah, because they know about this stuff. They they vet these players on a personal level, as well as a skill level, they vet them. Yeah. And so they know about this stuff. It's not like they don't know, but then they, they hire them anyway. Exactly. Same thing with the, I think you could just tr- move this into the police too. That's okay. kind of the same situation. Well, yeah. I yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is a good segue, Gabe. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Speaking of other systems, um, systems of abuse, the um, Tacoma, there is a Tacoma police officer who drove through a crowd, leaving at least one person injured. I don't believe it was just one person because there was a multitudes of people he drove over. I think I heard there was, well, there's probably more that didn't go to the hospital, but two went to the hospital. One left the same night and the other one was seriously injured and spent the night. I don't know 
exactly what the injuries were, but I know that video, I saw that car go bumpity bump over that man and then he rolled to the side. I would imagine it's probably his torso and or legs. It did, didn't it didn't didn't seem to hit his head. It was like his lower torso and his leg. But I don't understand how in your right mind you think that's okay. Like for you to drive through a whole entire crowd of people. Yeah, well, and then he said, I feared for my life. That's what they always say. I'm so tired of hearing that because that that assumes that whoever you were scared of is guilty of some crime. And they may, they, they may very well be, but they haven't been charged with a crime and front, you know, they're just sitting and putting their hands on your car and bat, you know, and hitting your windows and stuff. Okay. Yeah. You're a little scared. You feared for your life. Really? That is the pat excuse for every police officer in this country that this kind of stuff, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's a, it's a cop out because that's pretty yeah. much your job description is you're putting yourself, you know, every day you are fearing for your life. You never know what could happen. Exactly. And that's not an excuse for doing something stupid. Exactly. And he was on the force 29.5 years, 30 years. You have 30 years of experience behind you and this is how you handle it. You couldn't think of something else to do. And, and doctor saying I feared for my life that I might get COVID, so I just killed the patient. Like <laughs> that was a good one, Joy. All right. Well, let me flip it around as the devil's advocate. So if if you're the cop and you pull into this, you know, crowd of people and they're banging on your window, let's just say you can't reverse. What do you do? I call for backup. They're my banging on your window, bad. about to trying to get in your car. They're banging on my windows, but first of all, there's like a lot of lines of defense as a police officer. You could tase them, you could get out of the car and like, yeah, you can get out of the car, tase somebody, call for backup, wait for backup, because there's always backup like right around the corner. If you yeah. go through Tacoma, there's a police officer basically on every single corner. Like they couldn't have gotten that far into your car to put you in that much danger. Yeah, I if it were me, I'd be I'd be in my car. I would have never I wouldn't have gotten out of it. Um I would have been I think and then I would have called for backup and told them what was happening, like get down here now. This is getting out of hand. Um and then if they kept banging, I would have I probably would have um, I don't know how they're trained, but I'm just thinking for me, I'd have drawn my my weapon and and shown my weapon like get off the car i don't want to have to go there but just get off the car and i i i i would have been constantly checking to see if i could have backed up mm -hmm. i wouldn't have just checked one time i'd have been sitting in that car can i back up can i back up can i back up i would have inched back i would have inched and inched and inched he literally just pressed the gas and he, yeah, he, he, he floored it yeah exactly. i was like why don't you just you could inch forward <laughs> like to just, slowly get people yeah, out of the way inch, inch forward and that would have bought time for backup to come 
So I'm not, no. Thing is, so that's another thing we need to look at. What type of training are you guys getting for you to instantly fear for your life or for you guys to go into an instant panic attack? Because if that's the case, this shouldn't be your job. Your well, job is a choice. Yeah. And here's the other thing is they have training in use of force, right? And Chief Aki did say this was a use of force. He's catching hell for it for, from all these people who are like, yeah, he didn't do, he didn't do anything wrong. We're tired of these young punks on the street. And, and yeah, I would have ran them over too and all this stuff. But um, it was the use of force, the car, he weaponized the car, I mean, the, the vehicle. And um, then he stepped on the gas, burnt rubber running over people. You could hear it. And, um, and, so, and so they have training regarding use of force and how to escalate and de-escalate and all this stuff. They have that training. I don't Apparently, think they have de-escalation the training. I think uh, that's No, they definitely do. No, they do. They, they have ignore it. it. Yeah, probably. I mean, he apparently did. The thing that really frustrates me, though, is like, and we've just kind of seen the same pattern is just like that cult mentality of other police officers defending the action of police yeah. officers that are in the wrong. And yeah. they really have a problem just admitting that, you know, what he did was a, a poor decision. And we're going to acknowledge that. And it's, you know, that's just time and time again, this is just kind of the constant pounder pattern and lack of accountability yeah. um, that just keeps happening. And like, I think of other professions where, you know, like say a teacher, if a teacher messes up or does something messed up for kids, oh, they're teacher, instantly fired. They're mm-hmm. instantly fired and other teachers aren't going to try to defend their actions like that. You know, like a police officer, you know, they'll maybe like, oh, George Floyd, they'll be like, yeah, that was that wasn't so great. But it's like hard for them to even just acknowledge, you know, that when clearly it's like completely obvious. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's kind of the biggest thing that's really frustrating me is just that the culture of the police when, you know, their jobs to serve the people when it's really now it's kind of become the police against, you know, the citizens. Yeah. And that's, and their job is literally to protect the citizens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why chief Aki is getting so much flack because he didn't go that route. He, he announced it as a use of force. And people, you know, are wigging out about that. Um, And I'm sure, you know, he's catching hell in his own department for it because they do protect their own. It's the thin blue line. And, um, And that's part of the culture is protecting their own. Good, bad, or indifferent, no matter what this person did, we're gonna protect them, you know? And that, that is, an ugly, ugly truth about not just TPD, but across all police departments in this country. Do you think it's possible to kind of like decentralize that culture at all? Is that something that can happen in the future? I was just thinking about that. How would you possibly, how could you do that? The only way is is to, you know, drain the swamp. But then if you drain the swamp, you won't, you you wouldn't have a police force. 
Yeah, because <laughs> like you're all new. I mean, you. I don't. I don't know how you would facilitate that. And from the top all the way down to. Oh yeah, because it's not just your street beat cop. It's all of them, all the way up the chain. Because like some cities, I don't know about like Seattle, but like trying to implement like accountability committees or whatever oversight committees. And I don't even know how effective that will even be. Yeah, I don't know because because um, you guys know I'm on CPAC, and um, and we've been asking to be an oversight committee for TPD instead of um, an accountability committee for a long time, even before I um, was put on the committee. Right, this ha was happening before I was on the committee. And um, and it and it was rejected. So uh, so we're asking again due to this specific incident. Right. Because we just we just finished with the body cam policies and procedures. Right. Because a lot of stuff that TPD was trying to implement or wanted to implement was a bunch of bull crap, actually. And so. We went through all the policies and we got mostly changed what we wanted to get changed. The one thing that didn't get changed was the waiting period to roll out the body cams. That one we didn't get. Um, and it's unfortunate because if we had have gotten it, there would have been a body cam on that officer. As it stands, the rollout for it was, I guess, there were separate groups, but the first rollout, I think, was February 4th. So was supposed to be February 4th. And that officer would have been one of those officers. Imagine how much money they put towards getting new cars, weapons and stuff like that to protect themselves instead of getting like body cams or other things to protect the public, which yeah. is be their job. Yeah, so that makes no sense to me. Um, and another thing that pisses me off is that the media also does a lot to protect police officers. Like this police officer, they still haven't released his name. He's a fifth. They just said that he's a 58 year old male and he's been with the police department for 29.5 years and he has paid administrative leave. Um, no, they, re they released his name. Oh, they did. Yeah. But it can't. Yeah, they did. Um, and he's, and I think what I read, he said he fears for his life or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, um, but I can't remember his name right now, but they did. They released his name. But I want to know why does it take so long for them to release their name? The exact questions we're asking on CPAC. I mean, and I would think that it would be to protect the police officer from, you know, the public like reacting without an investigation actually happening first. Oh, it, interesting because that's what they do first when they want to shoot black men is they react yeah. and yeah. They immediately <laughs> go into <laughs> investigating and yeah. um, yeah. what did this black man do to deserve it? In yeah. 1958, he stole candy. Like yeah. <laughs> you only care about something when it actually affects you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. no, this system is clearly like it frustrates me so much just talking about police officers. Like, I can't at this. So, 
would an oversight committee like say like if you your cpac transition to oversight would you be able to look at like say uh, an event or conflict happens with an officer and you can investigate that would you have the ability to be able to fire that police officer remove him or um like recommend uh consequences or anything like that i i i don't know the ins and outs of that i don't know what our exact powers would be um i do know that it would instead of us having to request and request and request information regarding um, what is going on in the investigation, we would automatically get that information um, because we're still requesting information about Manny Ellis that we haven't gotten. So it would put us in a position of getting the information um, and looking at the evidence um, and all that. Now, having said that, I would imagine that um, we would have some sort of um, position where we could recommend certain things. Yeah. Mm. We recommend this person is fired because the community, because, you know, given the evidence, um, the community is calling for this person because remember it's a community, you represent the community and, and the um, transparency. And so, you, you know, I would imagine we would be in a position to make recommendations. The um, thing is, though, I don't think that being fired is enough. I think that they need to be able to be held accountable and to go to jail. Because yeah. murder is illegal for everyone else, but why isn't, why isn't it illegal for police officers? Why well, does it take so long to put them in jail when there's clear evidence, like... Be them shooting a, because a they're police officers just like you were saying they take forever to do um stuff when it comes you know when it comes to them they just drag their feet on it and will keep the public in the dark but b that's a criminal matter and so the criminal courts and prosecutors would have to deal with all the laws and policies that govern those decisions. But if we take a look into like Brianna Taylor's case, for instance, they literally took forever to release the body cam footage. They tried to get the, um, they put out a statement saying that the boyfriend shot at them back, which wasn't true. They tried to pin it all on the boyfriend. They literally did every single roundabout about method to protect like, what was it, four, three police officers rather than putting those three people in jail, they'd rather put one innocent person in jail. Right, than right. Of their own behind bars. Right. And these are the types of things that you want to, that transparency to the community, total transparency, those kinds of things would be harder to do and get away with. At Right now, there's no oversight. There's nobody looking at them other than other law enforcement agencies, and they're not to be trusted too much either. You can't have, for me, you can't have one law enforcement agency like the Puyallup Police Department investigating this incident that happened on 9th and Pacific. They're another police agency, right? They're just in a different city. So for me, you need oversight. 
you know, to watch what is happening, make sure these people are doing um, these investigations lawfully and by the book and, and releasing information in a timely manner out to the community and the public. Yeah. So yeah, I, when we talk, Oh, go ahead, Joe. Well, when we talk about like defunding the police, that's where I think a lot of funds should be allocated to is training, first of all. And then the second part is that um, accountability, you know, some type of accountability agency that's not, you know, related to the police at all. It just investigates things and, um, you know, helps hold, you know, police departments accountable. That's where I would put, you know, funding from. Yeah. And that's part of what an oversight committee would want to do. Like if there was an independent agency that investigated these things, that wasn't another police department, you would want to work hand in hand closely with that other agency as an oversight committee, right? And so, yeah, because there's no oversight for these people. And I I think that there needs to be someone who's going out to different kinds of calls like if someone has a mental health issue police officers aren't trained to deal with mental health issues or just de-escalating of someone who is with a mental health issue or if they're calling on a homeless person sleeping on the sidewalk in front of the house there should be a social worker going there to ask okay let's get you into a hotel for tonight what do you need and like instead of there just being a police officer going out there with no type of training. I think yeah. that we need I mean, less police officers and more social workers out in the field. Yeah. The only the problem I see with that though is that like a social worker going out to someone on the street, you know, that could turn violent really quickly and a social worker doesn't have training to, you know, do that or anything else. So I would be just worried for like their own you know, personal safety as far well, as that goes. It, right. But I mean a social worker riding out with a police officer with them yeah like the automatically the officer would call the social worker on duty um to take to take along with that issue it's just like you know cps when they go to people's houses to remove children and put them in protective custody custody the police go out there with them They don't go, they don't by and large go by themselves. They have a police officer with them in case things get dicey because taking people's kids can get really dangerous. So CPS workers, when they do a PC or protective custody issue, they have officers that go out with them. You have to for your own safety, you know? And so they could do the same thing on a DV call, on a mental health call on you know these types of calls and there are so people who work in social services and the social work um industry that would do that there's there's people who would do that and work a graveyard shift or a swing shift or something there are people who would do that okay so tell me this uh, do you think social workers would be willing to do that yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah so what- you could yeah, so I wouldn't. You, yeah, you wouldn't. So, like, you wouldn't be willing to go on a DV call. Someone calls you a DV and you go with the police officer to try to de-escalate, you know, somebody. But the or thing is, is that I think that the police officer's job should be to de-escalate the situation, then hand it over to the social worker. 
Like yep, if there's guns in the house, like yep. to make sure the social worker isn't putting their life at risk. Right. Like, okay, well now that we've taken this abuser away, um, do you guys have a place to go? Do you want to get a protection order? Do you guys have friends, family? Do you have food in the house? Like things like that should be like well, taken into accountability. Well, it would be more than that because once the air area, wherever it is, house apartment is secured by the police. So, you know, like you said, there's no weapons in the home, um, that there's no more physical violence being, being done. They break that up and stop that. Um, they take one person to one area and another person to another area. That's when the social worker should come in and talk to both parties, all the other stuff about, you know, your living situation and enough food. And these are other resources they can gain later on. You can, the social worker can assess that and write that down, but that social worker's main job would be to, to, to um, assess the situation from a domestic violence lens. Like what is really going on here? because the police aren't equipped to do that. They're not. And so then you can get a better outcome. I mean, you know, maybe no one has to go to jail or maybe one person has to go to jail, but they don't have to take both people, right? Maybe- so assess who the real abuser is versus, or- Yeah, there you, you do an assessment. You have to assess the situation from a DV lens and, you know, and then all the other stuff can trickle down from there, but they don't know, like, for instance, you have an abuser who looks at you sideways funny and maybe no one else in the room who knows about abuse or, or whatever, or, or, or isn't close to the relationship doesn't notice it, but you as the victim know what that look means. You know, like I'm getting my my ass kicked here if these police don't take him away, right? You know what that look means. And then police shouldn't be questioning victims in front of the abuser. That's intimidating, you know? And and so and so it's these kinds of little subtle nuances that that advocates or social workers are trained to see if they're trained well in DV, you know, they're trained, they can catch those things. They're on the lookout for those things. Like the attitude toward the abuser, I mean, the attitude of the abuser toward the victim after everything's been de-escalated. You know, you're trained to look and see those little things and then you can assess that, right? But, Do you think officers would be, you know, complicit with social workers? Because a lot of times I feel like officers kind of undermine, you know, the work that we do. They do it all the time with the social workers at the state that are CPS. <laughs> they do it all the time. They, 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 um, yes, some of them try to, there have been instances, because I used to work um, for DCYF. Um, and so, yes, there are times when you get officers who are arrogant and uncooperative. That's not by and large. Most of them are very respectful of your position and what you have to do and why they're being called out to go to a home with you. Well, I think another problem that would happen is that um, officers might be hostile if one, if 
one, let's say this whole defund the police thing worked. In my point of view, how I'd like it for it to go is all officers would have to be re-interviewed, retrained. So some of their buddies might not make it on the force and they see that social worker coming in as you took my buddy's position. So they might be hostile towards that social worker or towards this new retraining, towards all of this new reprogramming. So I think there would have to be some type of um, some type of thing put in place. I see what you're saying, but that would be from ignorance on their part because. But that's what they all are. Yeah. (laughs) But the social workers are use are usually state or county funded anyway, and the city, um, their sal the the city officers their salary comes from the city basically. So or your grant funded, right? Yeah, so- but if we're talking about defunding the police, that means that it's going to be coming from the same um, pot of money that the police officers. No, it doesn't come from the same pot. They just, so anything that is funded gets channeled different places. Mm. So, so, so it's not coming from my salary isn't coming from your pot. It's just unfortunate that the allocation of funds fell where for a state or federal funds fell, didn't fall your way. It fell in different places and some of it came came my way and I work for the state. And so I'm that's the way the cookie crumbles. You yeah. you know, it's just a reallocation of, of funds. Well, when we were talking the other time, you said that you weren't for defunding the police. It sounds like your tone has completely changed. No, I'm well, I I a lot of people are looking at it like just get rid of the police. That's not, that's not smart, nor is it probably going to happen. You know, it, we have, we have laws and policies that need to be enforced, but I am for reallocating funds, right? I am for taking some of the funding that goes to police departments and channeling it in different ways in order to help the police department. I mean, by and large, these officers don't want to go out to domestic violence calls because those are the most dangerous calls they can go out on because they can escalate into anything and they're extre- they can be extremely dangerous. If you, if, I mean, by and large, if you ask an officer, they don't want to deal with mental health issues. It takes away from other things they can be doing, other crimes. They, they don't want to deal with DV. They don't, they don't want to enter into those situations because they're extremely dangerous for them. So that's what I'm, that's what I, I, I'm advocating for is a reallocation of funds. They get tons of money from the city and from the state and from the federal government. And so they don't need that much money to function, especially if some of their functions are are being um, are, are being helped out by social workers or other people in social services. That actually makes their job easier. I think whoever made the slogan "defund the police" is kind of stupid. I, it just assumes a lot of things, and like oh. makes you. 
Well, that's yeah, because it makes you think it, it makes people think, yeah, defund them, get rid of them. And people think that, you know, what you're talking about is getting rid of the police altogether. Okay, but um, that's where ignorance goes. Like, it's like, okay, this statement saying defund the police, let me check my assumptions. What does it actually mean? Like, when people, when it's like you could say it with Black Lives Matter. Like, when you first look at that statement, like a lot of people assume, only Black Lives Matter. But if you're like, hmm, let me take a second and actually look at it. Like, we can't just sit here and make statements like, right. all the statements this are continuously going to be broad. It's about, let me look into what this statement represents and stop my assumption. Everybody has their own interpretation of what the statement means. So, like, if you're saying, like, a statement, defund the police, that's going to automatically cause tension between that other group of people who's, like, for the police and you know, make them react in a way that I don't think, you know, we're trying to unify the country. It's not at all. Yeah, it's not just a matter. It's like Joy said, that's just a matter of ignorance. I mean, you, this is, this is your responsibility as quite frankly, I mean, cause I don't always do what I should be doing, but really it's your responsibility as a citizen to educate yourself about this stuff. It's in your communities. It's happening to you and your families. You're the one affected. And so it just becomes a matter of ignorance. Google is available to anybody. Like yeah. at this point, yeah. I think that there's a lot of people like I've come into like my neighbor who was like, um, I don't believe Black Lives Matter. And I asked him why not. He's like, because this, because he's white and he pointed to his skin color. He's like, because this matters too. And I was like, and that's not what the statement is saying. And he and I broke it down for him. He's like, wow, I never looked into that. And I was like, well, yeah, you might want to try looking into things more instead of just going based off of your initial response. Yeah. Even like um, that could go along all statements that have been said, like defund the police doesn't mean get rid of the police or else we would have just put get rid of the police yeah like and black lives matter doesn't just mean all lives don't matter or else we would have been like black lives only matter like i think a lot of people need to take the time to educate themselves they can't exactly and look at a statement and suddenly be like well this is what it means in my mind well your mind isn't 100 percent correct you have to sit there and educate yourself and teach yourself things yeah, so because you're here you're entitled to your own beliefs you're just not entitled to your own facts facts are facts right and if you educate yourself about the facts of of the situation and um and 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 the surrounding issue then you wouldn't be sitting there looking ignorant and saying dumb stuff like you know, like what your neighbor said to you, Joy, that's just ignorance. And exactly. once you educated your neighbor, then your neighbor was no longer ignorant. And a time, like, I think that a lot of people would rather choose hatred and ignorance than to educate themselves because it's easier. Yeah, it's, it's easier easy. for you guys to take the precedent to be like, well, I'm not going to learn because I don't want to learn. It's right. harder for you to sit here and correct yourself because you have to tell yourself that that's wrong. And that's an abusive mentality if you look at it. Yeah. And people, human beings usually, you know, like to be right. Right. And they like to, you know, get on the bandwagon about what they believe and what they believe without any concrete evidence to back it up. You can have, you can believe what you want to believe, but your beliefs have nothing to do with the facts. I can believe that the sky is green. The fact is it isn't. (laughs) 
And so I can believe what I want to believe, but you have to always do the research, reputable research, and look at the facts and uh, Facebook commentary research. Like. Yeah, yeah, not, 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 you know, not, you, you don't want to, this is, well, this is where, you know, being a, able to cognitively think and process in your own head what you are reading or, um, or looking at or experiencing. You know, most people don't do that. There's, you know, we, we say, you know, common sense. Well, common sense ain't that common. <laughs> not. Not. By and large, most people just, you know, hear something or hearsay about something or take things out of context without actually researching what they are supposedly believing. Just like your 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 neighbor is a perfect example, Joy. Yeah, I was I was the thing that shocked me the most is that you're coming to me as a black woman telling me that what your statement saying is not right. Like that takes lots of balls, in my opinion. Instead of asking me what does that statement mean, you automatically just make the statement. And well, that's what I think a lot of people should start doing when they see these statements: is what does it mean instead of what can I interpret out of the statement? Right. And ignorance knows no. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of ignorance goes across the board. It, it, it crosses socioeconomic, racial, cultural, nationalities, everything. Ignorance is just ignorance. Exactly. You know, and so, um, you know, there's a difference between being ignorant and just being stupid. Exactly. Uh, but most people are just ignorance, whether ignorant, whether they choose to be. Some people choose to be ignorant. They'd rather live in their own little bubble because it's they're safe there or they think they're safe there. But that's how human beings are by and large. Willfully ignorant. And it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. or even if you can always like do the research to make, you know, whatever argument you're making, you know, you can always find research that agrees with you too. So to even like strengthen things like. Well, but that usually comes to pseudoscience, right? You, if you, if you, if you really understand how to, like I said, cognitively think about things and you look and you know how to look at good research instead of pseudoscience, science doesn't, you can't, true science, you can't manipulate like that. Because the only way you can manipulate the, you know, um, an outcome is to change the factors. And you start playing around with, with the variables and the factors, right? If you just take it for what it is, science just says, this is, this is it. This is, we've gone over this a hundred times and my peers have gone over this a hundred times using the same, you know, model and the same instruments. And we're coming up with basically the same outcome, you know, hundreds of times over and over and over again then it just is what it is. You, you know, you may not like it or I may like it. I might not like it or, or you may like it, but the facts are the facts and they're just there to be dealt with. The thing yeah. is though, is that you have to do 
good well, research. Like if you're typing into Google, why is defunding the police bad? What is the cons of defunding the police? And obviously you're feeding your mind what you want to hear. But if exactly. you start with the root of what does defund the police mean, and then you dive deeper into that, Right. You can't go wrong. But if you're going based off of what you initially think is right or what you initially assume, obviously yep. you get led to QAnon and all those Trump supporter like um right. stupid facts like that aren't true. But yeah, that's what I'm that's saying what though, it's like searching for. And half a lot the country of- will just search for whatever their agrees with their initial opinions. Like uh-huh. QAnon, they'll take everything for facts yeah. from them. And Joy's right. I mean, you can Google anything. Really, Google isn't the place to do research. Right? You might want to try Google Scholar, but it's not the place to do research. It's just a place where there's information. Some of it's bad. Some of it's good. Um, well, I think that transitions to our next next topic. Is everything you trust, like everything you look up, you know, especially with censorship with like COVID, you know, people will have opinions or, you know, I see, you know, doctors on Facebook just being completely like silenced because an algorithm or somebody on Facebook um, sees this as something that is hurtful, can be hurtful or is spreading misinformation so they decide to block it. So like, is everything that we search on the internet, you know, not exactly true. I think this is where that critical thinking comes in where you got to think for yourself, but. But sometimes that, thinking that, for yourself if you're stupid is dangerous. Yeah. I don't, that, I, I've never, so like, I, I know I'm older, but I do not understand why people go on Facebook for news. What I, I the feel, news. This is Joy. That's Joy's whole news source. That's I what don't go on Facebook for my news. No, 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 not Facebook, Twitter. I'll go you on get... Twitter and then I'll Google <laughs> it and then I'll look into it and see if there's consistent things about it. Yeah, I don't know. Joy does. She does. She, she, she'll, she'll start, she'll see something. She but starts on Twitter. I start on really... <laughs> Twitter, but I end up on Google, like, or researching. I don't need to take it as facts. And I'll usually go through the comments, see what people are saying. Is this true? And that's one thing I've had to start practicing myself because I used to just like retweet because I thought the statement was like, oh, this sounds right. But now I'll, I'll look through the comments, see what people are saying about it. Be like, do I agree with this? And if I do agree with this, let me see if this is something I should be agreeing with. And then I'll look it up. I'll look at YouTube videos. I'll look at a bunch of different stuff before I'm like, okay, this is truth. Like... And I love the com- yeah. I love the comments. I think that's like the best. That's how it, I kind of like determine. Like I see a statement and be like, mm, "This sounds kind of weird," and then I'll look at the comments and then see people just arguing with each other, like yeah. why this is either right or wrong. I don't I think, think it's yeah. bad to use social media to go and take the social temperature, if you will, or to take a social um, consensus on or. Or on to see what people are thinking, or even even something that happened, because usually that hits social media quicker than the news. Yeah, right. But then you got to do like Joy does. Then you have to look at, or like you said, Gabe. Okay, let me use my brain and really think about this. And then once you've thought about it and maybe looked at some of the comments or whatever dive into your own research about the 
the issue or situation. But I don't think it's necessarily bad to go on social media to take the temperature or to, or you might see some, a video or something and you're like, whoa, what's that about, you know? But the problem comes in where people use Facebook for their Facebook has a lot of misinformation out of all the social media platforms. Yeah. You know, Instagram is owned by Facebook, right? Well, Facebook and Instagram have the most misinformation. I think Twitter is a little bit more accurate on um, when it comes to news. But the thing, another thing Mm -hmm. I was going to say is that sometimes even when you listen to the news, depending on which news station you're listening to, they can feed you lots of misinformation too. Like Fox News refused to report that um, Biden had won, even though it was a fact. It took them forever to report about it because that's not the audience that they cater to. Yeah, I think mainstream media news channels are just basically, they're biased, of course, and sometimes they're just entertainment. Now, can you get bits and pieces of real information off of there? Yes. But you still should have other news sources that you can find online that um, are are less biased. Because... these news stations are owned by by giant media corporations. So like even the, um, the Tacoma Police Department, I think the first news station that um, talked about how they had ran, ran over someone, they said they ran over one person and they only used a, like a bit of the video clipping. They didn't use the whole video clipping. Whereas on Twitter, that's the first thing that I saw. Right, so they so. can manipulate anything they want to. So there's all different kinds of, uh, uh, there's a lot of underground news sources like on YouTube that are actually really good. They're, they're, you know, that are really good. So yeah, do I like to watch CNN for just general stuff and, you know, or watch MSNBC because I like cracking up off of Don Lemon because he puts people in the hot seat, but that's entertainment. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they may, they'll be talking about certain issues, but then it just devolves into entertainment basically. But you can look at those things and take those issues um, or things they're talking about, do your own research and find your own um, platforms of information. Exactly. I think that the only thing is um, with the censorship how does Twitter determine, how does Facebook determine, how does Instagram determine who's right when they are posting things? How, like Jill said, facts are facts. And if they well, want the, to keep, what were you going to say? I'm going to say like Twitter kind of has like a, like the kind of a pattern of censoring kind of like more, conser- at least with politics, more like conservative um, views. And that's kind of where they've labored their, you know, their CEO kind of lean is pretty a liberal guy. Um, and, you know, with Donald Trump being, you know, pretty much banned from Twitter before the Capitol, you know, for, I guess, you know, their reason was inciting insurrection. Yeah. For inciting insurrection or whatever. Um, you know, Twitter itself is, you know, it seems like it's, it's kind of biased too, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Like when they banned, you know, Trump before, you know, after the Capitol riots. But I think they think it was. 
Sorry. I, I was going to say, I think they had a good reason to ban Trump. That's where a lot of his followers were getting their um, directions. Their, their directions. Exactly. That's, but that's is that, a lot of this. But that's an ex, is that him, though? Like, he's it's, being banned. He's tweeting it. He's tweeting it. He was the one that went on stage and was like, let's go to the Capitol. He literally gave them the directions. He gave them the footing. He gave them all that stuff to to start everything yeah and so the they had to silence him because he didn't tell he they literally like even pence told him like hey tweet to your followers stop and to go home and he refused to he refused to for a minute yeah so. i think i think it's becomes more of an um a national safety issue right um it's unfortunate that anyone has to be censored like that um, but Donald Trump did that to himself. And then it just becomes a safety issue, you know, a, and a security issue. Mm -hmm. Now, now, now we're talking, this can have real life consequences and this can do exponential harm to somebody. Um, and so have in that, in that context, yeah, you need to shut up, Donald. Yeah, and they and they did it for twelve hours at first, and then and then he got on there and just started all that stuff all over again, and then they just shut him down. He kept uh, going at that point. He was asking for it, like, and the yeah. thing is, though, is that a lot of the things, like at first, what Twitter did was they put like a check. They're like check to make sure these facts are true. A lot of these things that are said in this statement are false. And they did that to a lot of his tweets and his followers were getting pissed because some of the things that he, a lot of the things, majority of the things he was saying were not true. So like Jill said, facts are facts. And if you're not spewing out the facts, then. Yeah. I mean, all this voter fraud stuff, you know, is get everyone riled up. Well, there's, you know, I, I'm sorry, but you, this is just ridiculous because there was, you had all the chance, this is why we have checks and balances um, through, through the legal system, right? Um, you had every opportunity in the world to do recounts um, and take your, your case to the courts and every you everyone did your recounts over and over and over again and it came out to the same thing and then you lost 60 over 60 cases in in court where it, it was just some of the stuff was just ridiculous i was actually surprised that any attorney would sit up there and present the way what they presented is just ridiculous so um you you Basically, all your avenues, your time ran out because the more, you know, as it crept up on, you know, January 20th, your time ran out. There's no, no, you, all this stuff you're saying is a lie. And you know, it's a lie. You know, it's a lie. And you, you still perpetuate all this stuff. The funny thing is, is that all of his followers and I'm not talking about all Republicans because not all Republicans were his fo followed him like that. They just are in the Republican Party. 
but all of his, the Trumpers, all of his followers, he screwed them all over and they don't even know it. <laughs> they were literally, they were like, I need a pardon from President Trump when they were getting arrested and he wasn't answering to any of them. Well, yeah, you dummies. He only cares about himself and he is sitting back laughing at all these people and they're just doing his bidding. And he is the master manipulator for people who don't know how to think cognitively. Ignorant. The thing for me though, the thing for me though, that like, I know we always talk about, I'd rather know um, an outright racist than a closet racist. Like Mm -hmm. for a lot of politicians, we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. They have something that they show on TV or in press conferences is mm-hmm. you know the opposite of whatever they're doing you know in their office so like i appreciate that he even though it's wrong and pretty ignorant what he says we at least know what he's thinking and what yeah. he's about to do it's honest it's not like he's lying because he actually believes what he says it might not be true well, or it's false information but i like knowing that rather than just having someone be thinking those things and not you know, us knowing that at all. I I don't think Donald Trump believes what he says for a second. That is one of his tactics Mm -hmm. and it is his main tactic. Because one time somebody told me this um, because they lied to me. And I said, no, you're lying. And, and And they said, well, how can you tell I'm lying? And I told them and they said, okay, that's because you know me really well. But when you lie, you have to believe your own lie in order to make it credible. And that is exactly what Donald Trump does. He he doesn't actually believe it, but he makes himself believe it to a certain point so that he can seem credible. Like, this is really what I think. No, it's not. You just are using that to manipulate people and situations and stuff into your boat so that you can use and abuse people to your own end. And that's usually financially and more so power with power. It's what he did his whole presidency. He doesn't actually believe that shit. He just puts it in and says, okay, I got to It's like going on an audition for an uh, for a part on Broadway. Let me get into the character. I got to make the character believable. But you don't actually believe that. You just, you, you, you have no ethics. <laughs> you have no morals. And you just don't care. It's all too he's narcissistic. He wants the praise. He wants to be worshipped. So he's going to say whatever they want to hear in order for him to receive that praise and that worship. Yeah. What was funny, I saw this video on TikTok where someone was like, um donald trump before he ran for presidency he put out a statement because he's always been like hardcore democrat and he put out a statement that if he ever ran for president he would run as a republican party because those people believe anything so someone has a theory out there that he purposely ran republican um so that he could destroy the republican party and that's i don't know if that's true but it sounds like it, it it is plausible 
yeah that's why I said it's a theory I don't think I don't know because at that point I just I hate him so much because of the damage that he has just done to this country he didn't like at this point even if that is a theory he left so many people dead like we lost 400,000 people last year to COVID something that he was warned about and he chose not to take action in so that theory to me got debunked because if you are going to go that route, why would you kill like a bunch of people like while doing that? That would assume that he cares about people. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But he doesn't care. I mean, he's fine in his own little world, in his own little bubble. He'll fly down, take his fat ass down to Mar-a-Lago and he will golf and he will eat well and he will live well and he will never be actually broke um well with all the lawsuits that are about to come his way we don't know that but it even at that he'll never be actually broke because he has social currency and he has people who will always look at what he did before he got out the presidency got all these people to give him millions of dollars on a lie about voter fraud. And then they're so stupid that they didn't bother to read between the lines or read the fine print where he didn't have to do anything with that money except for what he wanted to do with it. Another thing that pisses me off is that we didn't even find out that, um, he had that he was using that money against him. Well, he was using that money for him self until, until people in his own campaign were like, okay, well, this is evil, even though they knew all the other evil things that he was doing. Yeah. yeah, And look at the guy who wanted his money back, or I think it was a, a a lady. Well, if you're, no, you're, he's not going to give you, (laughs) you gave that money of your own free will listening to his rhetoric. And so you are just out a million dollars, lady. Dang, a million dollars. I think it was something like that. Yeah. She wanted her money back. I'm like, I laughed. I said, that's a fool and his money are soon parted. And that's just what happened to you, lady. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't have to give it back. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think we actually got to cover all three subjects. This was a really fun discussion and conversation that lasted pretty long um we thank you guys so much for listening to confabulation i'm gonna close this chapter out and um don't forget to like comment and subscribe and i also forgot to mention that we are partnering with blessings catering and they are currently fundraising to become a restaurant on the Reston way waterfront And they have partnered with us to give jobs to our victims. Go check out our Instagram page and click the link in bio to donate. Um, Thank you so much for listening to us. And um, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. We need those ratings to go up. And we will see you guys on another episode of Confabulation.